everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm wonderful. Uh, my belly button turned from Indy to Audi a long time ago. That's gross. science, Robbie, gross. obviously. Gross is what, that's the word, the word, I have a word for it, it's gross. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, The Simpsons, of course, it's gross. I, I, that's not, hmm, season 11 Simpsons, perhaps. It, yes, it's gross, but. Technically season 10. 10. I, hey, aired in season 11, it's a season 11 episode, right? I'm not, you can say season 10 production run. Sure, season 10 production run in season 11, it's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> I don't know about that. I want to go that far. Uh, hi, guys. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only $2 a month, get access to all of our bonus content. Uh, with a bunch of, bunch of stuff up there. Encourage you to check it out. Help us cover our costs. A uh, bunch of all our, the hosting and all that stuff. We appreciate everyone who supports us. This week's episode, it is Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner, episode AABF21, originally aired October 24th, 1999, written by Al Jean, directed by Nancy Cruz. I have no ratings information on this one, Matt. Oh, no, shucks. We won't know that it's number three behind The X-Files, Ali McBeal, and let's say King of the Hill. That, that would be number four, if you're putting three shows out of it. Oh, I, sure. Whatever. I would say the ratings are probably like a seven or an eight. That's usually what the Simpsons were doing at this time. Uh, the chalkboard gag. I am not the last Don. That's a let's hope not anyway. That's, that's a Mario Puzo reference. I'm not sure what prompts it, though. I don't know. Maybe it was after uh, when he became a mob boss in name only. That's the title of his autobiography is tell all book about the experience. I don't. It's not. It's a fiction. I've looked it up. It's a book about. An aging Vegas Don and his legacy, basically. Well, if you already knew the answer, why'd you ask? Sometimes you want to, you need a prompt discussion, Matt. That's how you do it. You ask questions. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Even if you already know the answer, you ask a question just because it prompts discussion. It's a useful uh, rhetorical tool. Free tip. The couch gag. The Simpsons sit down. As normal, Marge notices Matt Groening's name written in the corner. She erases it. Matt Grading comes in and rewrites his name on the floor. Ha 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 It's fine. You know, I don't mind it. It took, it took you know, 200 plus episodes for Matt Grading to actually appear in the show. And That's so, true. Uh, this is his first appearance, huh? I mean, his first actual, like, they in the 138th episode spectacular, they had that weird version of him. <laughs> the weird Southern <laughs> Colonel with yeah. the iPad. This is the actual first appearance of Matt Grading. Um, the episode guest stars Ed Astor. As the editor of the newspaper, he doesn't even get a name. Well, he doesn't need a name. For this episode, you're right, Matt. He doesn't need a name. For I mean, not for for any episode, he doesn't really need a name. If his character was more involved, maybe he'd get a name. But there's really no need for one. He's just the editor. That's the character he plays. Lindsay Nagel gets a name for smaller parts. Yeah, but she's recurring. Why couldn't Ed Asner be recurring? He's great. Well, I don't know. You'll have to I ask love, the producers that. I, I love Ed Asner. Who doesn't? B bad people, I think, is the answer to that one. So, the episode begins with the kids going on a field trip to a newspaper. To to the... 
to a, a, to this mythical newspaper where they have their editorial staff and their writing staff and the printing press printing press is all in the same place that's true and it, it's from the merger of several other uh, papers yes so uh skinner and willie are i guess are staying behind to quote unquote remove asbestos and evolution they're really going to margaritaville well yeah the asbestos is long gone that part of the school you know fell apart and burned down somehow magically i'm not sure about that uh we also find out that uter has been missing <laughs> since the last field trip poor uter you know when they left him behind it's and now that you mentioned it i haven't seen uter in the background even in for a long time because they left him behind <laughs> and now he is just stuck at the the uh uh battle of springfield uh recreation for the rest of his life the rest of, uh, just, i don't see being raised by the 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 reenactors yep they just put him in a uniform and said look you're a reenactor now here oh. you go here's a wooden musket um homer volunteers to drive uh he he made a fake homer for work which fools mr burns gets him a promotion this is particularly egregious first act nonsense no 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 there has been much worse okay homer's yelling at the ambulance that is particularly stupid but the rest of it makes complete sense they get okay so homer's gonna drive them in the newspaper they instead he drives them to the zoo and we also get this i wanted i pulled the clip because i need to i i want it i want the example to be heard by the people of him cursing in traffic oh you you cut me off oh yeah Dad, that's an ambulance. Oh, right. Ambulance? Think you're so big with your siren and your letters on backwards. Why the beeping? Why the bleeps? That's the one part of this episode where I look at and go, what in the world were they thinking? Like this makes no sense at all. And I I don't I don't know, maybe my this is because I the script those the words that he says are not curse words originally he calls them like yeah i was wondering because i at one point i swear he says screw you and they bleep it yeah and like he says dingus like he calls that like that's the kind of language that homer's using and then they bleep it and my guess is they thought the bleeped version was funnier and it maybe and it's usually true but i i don't i think this is i don't I don't find it very funny, but I think that's, I, I think I would have found it funny, at least funnier in 1999, but I feel like this kind of joke has just been done to death now. Like, the censor, censor things unnecessarily, like, the, it's like a bit on Tonight, on, I don't know if it was the Tonight Show, or a talk show did the unnecessary censorship bit, and I feel like it has just been done to death, and now it kind of is passe. I mean, it's been past days since the 90s. I feel like, I feel like the Simpsons adopting this bit means that it's completely dead by now. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's kind of mean that. I mean, I approve. Hey, I mean, I when approve. it's a bit like that. It's just a simple, you know, basic comedy bit. That means it's it's played out. It's 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 dead now. <laughs> I mean, the Simpsons used to have some biting social satire. Now now they just have these dead bits. That's <clears throat> I thought you liked this episode, Matt. I do, but this bit I particularly hate because I'm I literally said what the several times during this. Okay. Um which is why I'm glad you captured it. Yes, I, I felt like it was necessary because it felt really out of place. So they go to the zoo instead. Homer they make 
the exact same joke at the zoo. They do the exact same gag at the zoo as they do at Screaming Yellow Honkers. Where there's a sudden noise and all the animals go crazy. Yeah, and they run around and jump on each other and, mm-hmm. and ride each other. It's mm-hmm. just the dumbest thing ever. It, it just, it, dude, I like. I understand you're not going to be raising jokes because you've gone for 200 plus episodes. But it was last season. It wasn't like eight years ago <laughs> or something. So we they finally get to the newspaper and we see the tour. We get a little bit of information about Springfield and Springfield, the Springfield news situation. Welcome to the Springfield Shopper, established in 1883. The newspaper was founded by Johnny Newspaper Seed, a 14-year-old boy who roamed America founding newspapers. If he's so smart, how come he's dead? Over the years, the Shopper merged with the Springfield Times, Post, Globe, Herald, Jewish News, and Hot Sex Weekly to become Springfield's number one newspaper. So Matt mentioned the many, many papers that have merged together, just like real papers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So we get a tour of this of this office. We see the shine office says mostly for selling, trying to sell subscriptions to the newspaper. I don't think I've ever known a person that had a subscription to a newspaper. I mean, my dad did up until like a year or two ago, but that was the only person I've ever known that had one. Like I, my dad would buy a newspaper, but he would go to a store and just buy it in the morning. Not you know, I feel like it would be cheaper to get a subscription. No one delivers to the woods, Matt. Oh, that's true. I forgot you. You lived out in nature. <laughs> that's a very. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> that's the kind way. Um, Gil is the now a newspaper salesman. He does a bad job. We see. We get a slew of newspaper jokes. Uh, we get jokes about Ann Landers and Dear Abby. We get jokes about the headline that from the day you were born and the Homer. The headline for Homer's birthday is a unusually large and ugly baby is born. Which is a, which doesn't make any sense because that would be the headline the day after Homer was born, unless Homer was born at like twelve oh one. Matt, I thought you liked this episode. I do, but I okay. I like everything <laughs> that basically happens after Homer gets the job. Up oh, until then, no. it's the standard Simpsons nonsensical intro, and this one is particularly egregious in a few points. Also, I point out uh, stupid things about Simpsons episodes all the time, even the ones I love. That's fair. So we uh, uh, we also got a joke about how they don't use rec- they use a percentage of recycled paper, zero percent of recycled paper in the newspaper. I don't think do any newspapers percent. Do any newspapers actually use recycled paper? I don't think so. I, I mean, newsprint I is like already the, like the like the thinnest, the junkiest type of paper. Yeah, you can't go cheaper than newsprint. Um. So they they're touring the facilities, they're seeing everything, and Homer smells food. He smells the going away party for the newspaper's current food critic. Hey, I smell cake. Cake that says farewell and best wishes. Your old man has an awesome nose. Oh, that's nothing. He can hear pudding. So, Mimi, this little shindig is our way of saying farewell to our favorite food critic. What can I say except thanks for the predictable champagne, pizza that's hardly numero uno, and ice cream cake, which reminds us, why make 31 flavors when you can't get vanilla right? I wouldn't want to be married to her. I mean, again. Who are you, and why are you ruining my retirement party? I'll have you know I wandered off from the tour. 
Well, at least you like the food. Oh, I like food all right. I like pizza. I like bagels. I like hot dogs with mustard and beans. I get the picture. I'll eat eggplant. I could even eat a baby deer. La, 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 la. Who's a baby deer on the lawn? Enough already. Sorry. Hey, listen. I just had a thought. We're looking for a new food critic. Someone who doesn't immediately poo-poo everything he eats. No, it usually takes a few hours. Yeah. Look, I'd like to give you a tryout. Write a 500-word sample review. If it passes muster, we'll put you on staff. Thanks for the chance. You won't never regret this, Mr. Editing Guy. You will never regret this, Mr. Editing Guy. I have to imagine that your head exploded the first time you heard that. I don't like this episode. I, I, I've gathered from, from your comments so far. <laughs> but, but tell me why exactly, because I... I don't know. I, I think this episode is cute. I, I don't think it's a great episode, but I think it's a fun episode. It's it's Marge versus the monorail, like scaled way down to the point where it's just kind of enjoyable. Usually, Matt, I feel like we are on the same page, but today I don't know what's happening. I don't I feel like maybe I am in a different. Is this the Twilight Zone? I feel like I am in a different. Did we watch the same episode? I I I am pretty sure we did. Okay. Uh, maybe it's the food angle that I'm just really enjoying. It might be. I yeah, I like food a lot too. You're right. Uh may I I there's a lot okay, there's some things on this that I think are per like are totally about me as a person. They're not necessarily objectively bad things about the episode. I think there are a couple objectively bad things about the episode but i think some of the things well, that that's i don't definitely true. <laughs> i think some of the things that I, I don't like are because of me and who i am and that's going to be obviously vary from person to person and one i already talked about how ed astor's character doesn't have a name you say it doesn't need a name then why does the food critic get a name why do all the critics get names that we see them for eight seconds the editor has a relatively compared to them large part in this and you you said he doesn't need a name, and you're right because he's just playing Lou Grant again. But you don't. Who's Lou Grant? Oh my Matt! Oh no! What? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Why aren't you okay, <laughs> Robbie? I'm, I'm not, make you okay. I'm not. I'm not okay. Uh, okay. So Ed Asner, uh, is an American actor. He appeared. He appeared most famously. I, I think I certainly first knew him as a child. I watched Nick at Night, and I watched the Mary Tyler Moore Show, where he played Lou Grant, the editor of Mary Tyler Moore. He he was her boss. She in a newsroom setting. Okay, so basically they got him to play his old character. Well, I mean, it was that was more of a. It wasn't new. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's journalism. He's basically, just, yeah, he's basically playing Lou Grant. He's playing the same character, basically. A dumber version right. of Lou Grant. Lou Grant was, uh, well, know, yeah. but there's uh, I, there's a lot of problems with just putting Lou Grant into The Simpsons, basically. It doesn't make, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it does not, you have, the only reason Lou works as a character is because of Mary Tyler Moore, is because of her character in that show. It, okay, it. Robbie, I have to confess, I have never seen any of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, it's very good. Mary Tyler Moore is a, a, I'm, I'm, a lovely, it sounds great, and I've heard actress. great things about it, but I've never seen it. She's a lovely t actress and was in, was great in multiple television shows. Um, but she works at a 
TV station with Lou Grant, and he is he plays the Ed as like Ed Azar always plays a very he's kind of has a very specific kind of role. He always plays like a tough but lovable kind of character. Like he's in that character and up. Like it's the same character he's played for forty years because he's great at it, frankly. Um, but they make some jokes in this episode that like, like kind of like misogynist, you know, you know, sexist jokes um, with from him. And it worked in the Mary Tyler Moore show because you had Mary Tyler Moore there, her character to kind of offset to say to be she was a a single woman, 30 years old kind of proto feminism. I don't know if it was. I don't want to. It, it, it was feminism. It was, it was probably second wave feminism. But either way, it, it was. It was. They made him make those jokes because she was there to repudiate them. Yes, exactly. So, and it makes it gives it context. There's no context in this episode. But frankly, if you're going to make him just play, I could talk about the Mary Tyler Moore show for a long time. If you're going to just have Ed Asner play Lou Grant, that's fine. But just call him Lou. Just do it. Just like make the like, hey, just have it like have weird, have a weird crossover where Lou, Lou, you don't even have to call him Lou Grant, just call him Lou, like or something. Have him give him a name, and it feels that's there's hey nitpicking thing number one. Um, <laughs> I think you hate this episode for very specific reasons. <laughs> I've told you, it's not. I'm not all of it is rational, I, though some of it is. I I can at least admit that. Also, I I know. That we have abandoned all rational logic for Homer getting any kind of new job. He just gets it. He just gets the job. Uh, whenever they need him to have a new job, he get, he has it. That's true. But being a food critic is not really a full-time gig. I mean, not... I not, mean, I'm sure it can be. It, but in Homer's case, being the food critic for a small-town paper who just goes somewhere and writes up a 500 word review, you know, once a week, I think is, is something that's can be done in someone's spare time. I agree with you. <laughs> there's, and it's, there's not, no, I don't think many food critics are, that is their full-time job. Um, most don't get paid at all in 2018. Uh, um, damn bloggers. <laughs> it's not their, you can't blame them. Sure. I can. They gave it away for free for so long they crashed the market. That's not how. That's okay. So the it's just it it's of uh, the fact that Homer just gets a free trial to write a. I think the episode also the way it talks about criticism in, in general is offensive to me. In what way? We'll get there. I'm not. I, I'm gonna hold up. We're gonna. We're not gonna get anywhere in this. In 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 this thing. If I just talk about it forever. Okay. But Homer gets to write a sample review, and it's terrible because his typewriter doesn't have an e. And the, did you did you get a clip of this? Because this is one of my favorite parts of the whole episode. I, I did not get a clip of this. Oh man. Oh, I'm very sorry. What's his, I forget what his first name is. Bill Simpson. No, 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 sorry. His, his first name for the column. Oh, uh, Food Box, I believe is what no, he no. calls he it. He calls it something, and he's like, no, eatery evaluation, no, Food Box by Homer, no, Earl, no, Bill Simpson. <laughs> one of my favorite. I <laughs> don't. the best bits of the whole I, episode, which you're right, it's kind of sad for the episode, but it's still really good. I don't, I don't, I just don't get anything out of it. I'm sorry. I'm, oh. I'm a, I must be broken. I, I told. I said something's wrong. I, there's something. Apparently, wrong, you just don't enjoy wordplay. I. That's not okay. 
That's uh, I don't know. That, <laughs> on, you're defining wordplay a little bit differently than I am, Matt. There is word. There's certainly wordplay in this episode. I don't know if it's Homer trying to. Yeah. So Homer writes an, a terrible piece that is fooled with 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 garbage. It just says "screw Flanders" over and over and over again at the end. Um, Homer is not a great writer. Is what we're trying to say. No, Homer's a terrible writer. Which, of course, we uh, no one no one would assume that Homer is a good writer. So he is upset because I don't know I don't know why why is Homer upset that it that the editor like there's multiple times in this thing where Homer is suddenly really sensitive about his writing, which I don't why. Why is Homer sensitive about it? Because yeah, Homer's sensitive about everything. That's not true. I would point to the rest of this episode as if Homer's sensitive about things, Matt. <laughs> See, but I, I would actually point to the rest of this episode saying that Homer is incredibly insecure about his writing because he seems to be really happy when he and Lisa are doing really well with the whole writing thing. And then once Lisa that... dumps him because he's being a jerk – He's incredibly insecure. I mean, you saw what happened when they met at the uh, food festival. Uh, he basically runs away from Lisa, you know, scared because he doesn't want her uh, to know, you know, how he feels how, about his uh, not terror, but his, you know, lack of confidence in himself. I, I re- That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. I'm saying it doesn't it's not the driving force of this episode, right? No, no. OK. And that's my point, in that there are lots of things that happen in this episode. Could you tell me what the driving force of this episode is? Why does Homer accept this job? Uh, Because they're paying him to eat. Why does Homer keep the job? Because he's having an influence on people. He likes having power over people. Why does Homer change his writing style? Peer pressure. So three different answers, right? Those are all different things, right? Yeah, I, okay. I see where you're going with this. Let me think for a second. I, I feel like the two, the peer pressure and the power over people's lives, are related. I mean, even the insecurity you were talking about is related. Is is Homer wants to get paid to eat, so he's like, "I let me take this job," and then he realizes that he has power over people and really enjoys basically the fame, and then he's worried about keeping that and thinks that, oh. You know, these people don't like me, so, you know, I'll try and, you know, in order to keep my fame, I will try and be more like them, essentially. The way you explain it, Matt, makes it sound a lot more... More consistent. This, more, yes. Then this episode, <laughs> like, there is... They have a lot of joke. They they say, okay, this is... This is my... This is my theory, and I don't... They had... They said, okay, Homer loves food. Let's make him a food critic. Makes sense. Right? Right. And then they wrote a bunch of food jokes without worrying about the over, like, about what the reason for any of these things happening is. And I bring that up a lot in episodes I don't like, is there's no real reason things happen. There's no choice. Homer's not making choices. It kind of drives me a little bit crazy. And so the editor gets this terrible thing that Homer wrote because, of course, Homer's a bad writer. So he goes home. He's upset. Lisa helps him write a new article. Okay, what restaurant did we review? Well, we went to Pate La Belle last week. How about that? Great. Now, let me think. The food was... Not undelicious. The food is delicious. (gasps) That's brilliant. And I have this sweet, sweet chocolate mousse. 
Really, the only word for it is... Hmm, what's the English equivalent for... I'd say... Transcendent. How about groin-grabbingly transcendent? Uh, I don't think so. We make a good team. A groin-grabbingly good team. 497, 498 words. Hmm. How about screw Flanders? Bon appetit. Uh, both good. Not bad. Not bad at all. We're going to run this on page one of section H2. Woohoo! Stop the presses! <gasps> okay! Start the presses! That takes four hours. Whatever, I'll be at most. Yep, because just some random person yells, stop the presses, you hit the big red button. I I didn't put it in the episode, Matt. But it's funny because, I, you know, it's the I, Simpsons I, and they do stupid stuff like that. I, I, mm, 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 mm. That's We go to commercial. And when we come back, uh, we basically get the first time Homer is out as a critic since, since he has done this. Uh, and uh, as we learn, it's very important for critics to not be known. Otherwise, they'll get special treatment for the most part. You know, there are lots of famous critics out there. But in this case, Homer's trying to stay secret. And it doesn't work very well for him. This is so exciting, Homer. Your first restaurant review. Marge, It's important that no one knows that I'm a food critic. Hear that, Maud? Homer's a critic. Homer's a critic. Pass it on. Did you hear? Homer's a critic. Quit changing the subject. There is Uta. Oh, they just want closure. Yeah, here you are. One critic special. Uh, if anything appears to be moving, that's just freshness. Yeah. Can you believe it, Marge? This job is the greatest. They're paying me to eat. Yeah, now if you could just get somebody to pay you for scratching your butt, we'll be on Easy Street. Well, you little... So, yes, uh, Homer, like we said, is basically doing this job because someone is paying him to eat. And it's very important that he not get special treatment, even though it's very obvious to everyone right away that he is a critic and that he is getting massive special treatments. Also, Uter is gone. They just want some closure. Poor Uter. So, uh, at this point, uh, Lisa sees her first published article, uh, even though it has someone else's name on it, and but she's happy about it. Uh, the next restaurant they go to review is planet springfield uh it's owned by a bunch of losers uh basically uh i believe the russian mafia is in there bring your wolf castle and johnny carson's third wife uh it's filled with fake memorabilia uh okay robbie maybe you can help me w the coffee mug from heart beeps what is that supposed to reference you don't know the classic film heart beeps matt i don't let me read you the direct uh synopsis oh, just to Heartbeeps is a 1981 romantic science fiction comedy film about two robots who fall in love and decide to strike out on their own. Starring Andy Kaufman. Oh god, of course it's Andy Kaufman. It's not a it's a <laughs> now the Jim Carrey reference makes more sense. It's a very it's a very, 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 very bad movie. It's it's colossally terrible. It has Andy Kaufman looking he he's like he, they he, they were nominated for best makeup for an Academy Award because the makeup was really good because it made them look like robots. Uh, the movie itself is a giant piece of garbage. That sounds about right. Have you seen Heartbeeps? I, uh, unfortunately. Oh, you poor thing. It's very bad. Is that during your art house films phase? Uh, no, 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 no. It's a. It's during my let's watch garbage phase. Oh, 
That's fun. Mm, yeah. That sounds so bad it would be hard to find to watch. Nah, it's pretty, I mean, it's 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 pretty easy to find nowadays. It's not. All right. Sure. It's it's pretty well known as a terrible movie. It was on, I think it was featured on um, How Did This Get Made? So wow. after, after that, it, I think it got a little bit of a boost. It's a very so, bad, yes. it's a bad movie, Matt. There, there's your long and short of it. Bad movie. All right, there you go. So they've got a coffee mug from a bad movie. Uh, the cane from Citizen Kane, uh, which there there was no cane in Citizen Kane. It wasn't about a cane. It was about a man named Kane. Uh, and uh, also the script from The Cable Guy, which is so which was so bad, which I actually didn't think that movie was all that bad, but you know, whatever. I... Homer hates it so much that he just tries to destroy it. Cable Guy is not a bad movie. I don't. It's well. Hey, that's it's, what we agree on today. I, it's very strange to me that this this episode of The Simpsons is picking on the cable guy. The cable guy did not do well. It did not make a lot of money, and like it was a flop for that reason. But I feel like the film itself is actually like really interesting. Like it's you take like as Jim Carrey, kind of the height of his fame, you know, off of Ace Ventura and and and. He Liar Liar came out later, like the later the same year, you know, and did really, really well. So he was still incredibly popular. And he's in this weird movie where he plays like a weird, sad dude. And it's like it like on the surface, it resembles all his other comedies. But like, it's actually like a like a really sad tragedy kind of. It's not like there's jokes in it, but it's not a comedy. Like people called it a dark comedy because they didn't know what to call it. It's just a weird movie. And I like it. I appreciate it for that reason. Well, yeah, it's it's not the Jim Carrey that everyone knew and loved, so it was weird. But if you go back and watch it, it's actually a really good movie. It's it speaks to some thing uh, about you know friendships. It, it's on our list for uh, bonus episodes. We'll do it someday. Is it anyway? Uh, if it's not, it should be, and I'll put it on there. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. <laughs> anyway, uh, then uh, we see Homer and Lisa dining together at the revolving restaurant, uh, which you know they call the food delicious, and the view is beautiful, inspirational, and nauseating when they go by some someone Patty's apartment where they are working out. Uh, later on, we see Homer and Marge walking along, and it turns out that everyone in town is reading Homer's reviews, and they have decided that they love food as much as Homer, so the entire town is now horrifically obese, because everything was delicious, because everyone just trusts Homer's judgment, I guess. Okay, so that, and this is, I'll bring it up right here, Matt. So one, we have, you know, there's a lot of possible ways you could go with this, right? With how you want this episode to play out right and they've introduced okay. multiple little subplots here that could technically you could chase you have lisa being homer's ghostwriter so you could do that you could have uh an issue with either lisa wanting to get out from under his name or homer feeling feeling i don't know like he's not actually doing the work and so he wants to actually do it himself and chase that you have oh everyone in town is getting fat and enjoying food just as much as homer is and so you could chase him losing his identity his specialness because everyone in town is or you could chase the thing where he's oh they really appreciate his his reviews and his criticism and so they're eating all the same place and they're making and they're getting unhealthy for it you know like the town is it's dangerous for the town for homer to be a food critic because everyone's starting to eat like him so like they introduce all these little things, and none of them are meaningful. 
Well, I mean, I feel like they're just aspects of what's going on. And it's like this whole episode is just a riff on food criticism in general. Uh, and I, I feel like all of those are basically aspects of it. And not that they wanted to dig into them. They wanted to figure out how can we make this more Simpson-esque? Let's make it so that Homer somehow makes enemies. It's probably not the strongest direction they could have gone, but I don't feel like introducing those complications uh, that you listed brings it down in any way. It's it's not like it, it it's makes not... it stupider. <laughs> no, I my hey, I'm I I would I would first say I would definitely prefer them to chase. I one the home release thing is the thing I think it has the most meat, and the thing that I would if I was writing this episode, if I was making it, I, that's what I would do because it feels like it's an easy thing to to go for. You know, having that Homer Lisa dynamic, the smart and the dumb Homer being, and you know they've done a version of it before with the front, I think, with Lisa and Bart writing cartoons for Abe. But I feel like this is a different, a little different aspect of it, and you could easily, like, yes, I would definitely prefer that over them going over a food assassins, <laughs> which is the direction they ultimately choose. I think. It, you say, oh, they added all these, they threw in all these other things, and they're riffing. I, you, that, you should, you should, you don't introduce those things unless you're going to have something with them. Make them meaningful. Like. But if they're just one-off jokes, you could still introduce them I, and not do anything with what's them. What's funny about the town being fat, Matt? The fact that everyone basically the joke is that the only thing that's keeping people skinny is the idea that food is not delicious. I, that is the joke. That's I. That's a bad joke. Uh, the the like to me what they thought of as the joke is, hey, isn't it funny that Mr. Burns looks fat? He breaks his ankles because he's fat. Yeah, he's overweight. That's not a good joke. No it's a joke. It's not a good joke. And that's what I'm saying. Is it's not focused. It's it's they they introduce the. Oh, you you mentioned earlier Marjorie's the monorail. So the the danger in Marjorie's the monorail is the fact that Lyle Lanley is a grifter and he has the conflict. He's a grifter and he's building a monorail that is dangerous and will threaten Homer and a lot of other people. Right? Okay. Okay. When is that established in Marjorie's the monorail? That is established early in Act Two, I believe. And like, yeah, you and I think. It's it's not like right away it's oh Lyle Lanley's a con man. There's clearly hints at that Lyle Lanley is a con man and a grifter from time to time. Right. And it escalates. You know, it gets he, he's he's like this really charming dude and he sings and everyone is convinced and they they go with this plan and you know there's things here and there that are you're know, like hmm that's not right and that's bad and then we see more and more of awful things and Marge finally discovers the truth and there's the whole final third act is this huge, this this simultaneous plot of Marge trying to save the day and Homer trapped on the monorail trying not to kill everyone, basically. And that is the, the, the threat. That's the conflict. And we know it early on and it escalates up to the point where where we are, where the monorail is going crazy. And we're following all these stories and all these different people trying to survive and fix the problem all at the same time. We are in the middle of the second act. There's no conflict. There's not there. There's no conflict. There's no 
there's no tension. It's Homer's just a critic and he's getting people fat and there's jokes, gags about different stuff happening. But where's where like it it arrives eventually, but it's not until act three. Like, Which seems to be like a season 10, season 11 thing. It, it's like they don't want to set up the conflict until the third act is about to start that's, for some reason. I, I don't know why they want to stretch it out. You're definitely not wrong. Everything you said about Mars with the Mon- monorail is 100% true. Basically, I, I think the, what they were going for in this episode is there is a plot thread that goes through the whole thing. And they're just trying to shoot jokes off either way. That It felt like they didn't really have a an end game in mind. Which, again seems like a season 10 thing they have this joke they want to do homer's a food critic but they have no idea how to end it which is fine Uh, i mean you can still have a decent episode you just can't have a great episode based around that because your jokes are more one-offs and they're like like this everyone's fat thing it's it's mentioned here and then it goes completely away i'm not saying you're wrong you're definitely right it's just this episode i feel like is still mostly enjoyable despite that because there's no giant arc like in March versus the monorail, but it's still funny enough that I can forgive it. I don't think I laughed once. Wow. You are a dead joyless individual. I don't Homer food jokes. are. You're going to have to do more for me. Also, it's the, the just here. You're about to play a clip about critics, Matt. And this is also a thing that I, it bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This, this is going to be a little rough. All right. Uh, but real quick, I forgot because you talked. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I have so that, yes, at I this have point, that effect on people. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Homer meets his fellow critics, including the farm supply critic. Some of your fellow critics wanted to meet you. This is Garth Trelawney, TV critic. Why, you, you made them cancel platypus, man. Homer, this is our theater critic, Daphne Beaumont. And the Cosby Mysteries, that show had limitless possibilities. Homer, please. Sorry. Jamie Kilday, farm supply critic. Just got back from the Gopher Poison show in Paris. Let me tell you something, people. The days of clubbing them with a baseball bat are over. For you, perhaps. Listen, we've been meaning to have a talk with you about your reviews. Everything's a rave. Nine thumbs up. What the hell is that? I've given out my share of bad reviews. Oh, the only bad review you gave was to a slice of pizza you found under the couch. It lost some points because it had a Hot Wheel on it. Oh, good Lord, man. You're a critic. You don't have to like everything. E.g., my latest review. We see John Deere has come out with this year's line of rototillers. Surprise, surprise, they're green. I say it's time to send John Deere a Dear John. <laughs> oh, that's classic. You don't have to patronize me. <laughs> okay. So, yes, those are our, our fellow critics. Uh, I captured that clip, one, because I love the fact that Homer only cares about the TV critic. When he's introduced to the theater critic, he goes back to yell at the TV critic some more because TV is all that Homer cares about. And I'm sure you're going to have commentary on this, Robbie, and then the idea of criticism in general. Uh, but... I think what they're trying to get at here is they're trying to make fun of critics in several different ways. Uh, One for being overly negative, including the old food critic and one for being so incredibly specific in their, uh, you know, nitpickiness, AKA the farm supply critic um, that their commentary becomes useless. And I think that's what they're supposed to be getting with, but I'm sure you have different issues with this. (laughs) Uh, um, It's, I think it, if you want to make it about how Homer's – and that's uh, – here's another thing, Matt. 
another thing they throw. Like, it feels like, oh, so it could be, oh, Homer's a critic, but he always praises everything because he likes all food. Like, that's an that's another interesting take that would subvert ex- my expectations. Like, when you think of critics, these all these three critics are the hackiest, most played out version of what a critic is that I could possibly imagine. They hate everything. Everything's bad. No, They're no, cynical no, no, no. and bitter. No, no, you're you're wrong because the TV and the theater critic, at the very least, basically just say, "Look, there's no reason to love absolutely everything." You know, you you got to. They're basically telling Homer, "Hey, not everything is wonderful." If what they're trying to get across to him is that if everything is wonderful, there's no point in criticism at all. You can't just say everything's wonderful. It's terror. Uh, you know, uh, there, otherwise there's no point for you even telling anyone. Everyone just knows that everything is great, kind of thing. They're just trying to tell him to, to dial it back down. The farm supply critic is obviously a moron because he's complained about the color of rototillers, which I think is a joke aimed at a different aspect of criticism. Well, so I think you're overplaying it a bit. I think you're giving them too much credit, Matt. Frankly, uh, because one, they don't say any of those things. No, all they say is, uh, you gave something nine thumbs up. What the hell is that? Because that doesn't make any sense. But and I don't. It's this the one the critic who gets the most words is the farm supply critic, <laughs> which and it's all about like you said the ground color of the of rototillers whatever. Um, if you want to have a plot about how Homer likes all the food and he can't, he finds it incredibly challenging challenging to give things bad reviews, okay, that's a plot. It is, and I think that's that's the kind of plot they were going with. Why it doesn't show up until more than halfway through the episode, I couldn't tell you to be honest. I but. know, but also it doesn't remain. That's not the. Pl- it doesn't stay that way. It doesn't. That's because it's not like it. If like what you just said, Matt, like you are you talking about nature of criticism and all that and that would be the perfect thing to show us like you actually have by having homer and these other critics engage and homer just refusing to give bad reviews maybe or giving trying to give bad reviews and struggling because he loves food so much that's fun or or homer giving bad reviews and the whole town becoming so skinny because they can't find anything good to eat something but i don't I don't want to, like it engages in all these different things and then just lets them go, just lets them fly out the window. And you say, like, that's not a bad thing. I'm like, oh, if you're not going to do anything with any of them, like, I think it's OK to add flavor to the episode and kind of build in the world of the episode by including these other things. But by not chasing any of them, that's not that's not building a world that's being sloppy. That's including that's including loose ends. That's you're not so you cut this stuff. I don't know if I'd call it a loose end, but I would call it a joke that doesn't hit as hard as it could. Or a, 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 let's say it's a misleading joke. It goes in one direction that you that causes you to think it's more than a joke, and it's not. Expectations are very important. It's establishing expectations for your audience, and there are no expectations set in this entire episode. It's just well, they set them. They just set them when directions they're not actually <laughs> going to go. It's 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 a complete lack of follow through is what it is. So, Krusty has some Shakespeare. So, yes, the next place Homer and Lisa go to do a review is Krusty doing King Lear. And I didn't capture any of this because it's the, some of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. 
uh, it being Krusty and all trying to do Shakespeare. And then Krusty gets very surprised when the crowd boos Shakespeare, a.k.a. the crappy jokes he made at the last second before he realized King Lear is not a comedy. King Lear is a tragedy. I don't want to watch King Lear while I'm eating dinner. No, no, that just makes me sad and want to stop eating. I, yeah, Although, I, honestly, that's probably good for me. But anyway, back to The Simpsons, which you're only occasionally Shakespearean. Homer uh, goes to review the food and uh, is incredibly witty about it. I believe he says uh, the split pea soup is as uh, hammy as the acting or nowhere near. Robbie, help me out. I forgot exactly what he says. Um, yeah, it's hammy as acting, but no, not nearly as something i don't remember matt i weak as the acting but nowhere near as hammy right that's right there you go which is a very witty thing for homer to say which it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but no okay it doesn't make a lot of it it doesn't make a lot of sense does it matt (laughs) no robbie it doesn't (laughs) thank you made that point (laughs) okay this one anyway uh we then see homer and lisa at luigi's where he's already been but i guess he's going back to review it again uh, he's mean to uh, Luigi, uh, calling his lasagna a pile of puke. And then the cook comes out and chops at Homer and takes off a part of his ear, which, you know, that's that's a pretty good response to a bad review. Uh, but then uh, at the next night at home, Homer is still in critic mode and says Marge's pork chops only have two moves, shake and bake, uh, to which Marge points out that Homer loves shake and bake and actually puts it in his coffee. And when Homer claims that his palate has changed, she challenges him on what the word palate actually means. And this this, I think, is a really good uh, exchange because you have Homer doing what Homer sometimes does and using words and concepts that are way above him just because he heard somebody else say it. It's almost as if someone else wrote the uh, mean criticisms he had or maybe Homer read them somewhere else if Homer can read. Uh, But uh, also at this point, Homer runs off with the pork chops after calling them bad and still takes three to eat because it's Homer. (sighs) And then we get to the the interesting ending of this uh, that that makes me a little bit sad. Uh, Basically, Homer is uh, starting to give another review and it blows up into an argument with Lisa. So come to the legless drug if you want to get sick and die and leave a big garlicky corpse. P.S. Parking was ample. Dad, you're being cruel for no reason. What will people think? People will think what I tell them to think when you tell me what to tell them to think. Not anymore. I don't want to be partners with a man who thinks like that. Nobody talks to me that way. I'm Homer Simpson, the most powerful food critic in town who will never get his comeuppance. You hear me? No comeuppance! We'll be right back. Seriously, what is with the fourth wall breaking? I thought you liked this episode, man. I do. I, it's just, okay. Are you if sure? If I sit down this episode, I laugh and I giggle and it's funny to me. But the more you make me think about it, the more I just think the little things start to get to you, the more you think about it. So as long as you don't think about this episode too much, it's a really funny episode. You know, that would be – it's a great statement you're making to a person. You co-host a podcast with where we talk in depth about every single episode of The Simpsons. And talk about all the incredibly minute details at length. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Just want to make sure you know where you are. Uh, One, I'm glad you captured that clip, Matt, uh, where Melissa calls Homer needlessly cruel. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, Seems uh, very appropriate for this, this 
run of episodes. Um, the fourth, the fourth wall breaking is inexcusable. There's no reason for it at all. It's not funny. All it does is break our sense of immersion. It's indulgent. Should have been cut. Yes. Should not be included. In... Seriously, it's like they, they, they need an extra five seconds in the episode. It's I self, don't get it. It's self-indulgent garbage that you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you should cut out of first drafts. Um, anyway, at this point, we go to commercial, <laughs> as Homer said. Yes, we go to commercial, as, as Homer says. This is the, this is the, and it's the first time that it is, I, I will give the Simpsons that. This is the first time that, uh, this is pointed out in the news group. And was, I think it's right. This is the first time the Simpsons have ever done a fourth wall gag that has no frame around it. You know what I mean? Like they've done it before, but you know, you think of like uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns? They do it at the end of part one, but it ends up, oh, th- yeah, but yeah. ends up he's looking at Chief Wiggum, or you know, there's like uh, other, like there's always a like there's always a twist where they're not actually breaking the fourth wall, or if they're do- they're doing it very cleverly. This is the first time where they just lit- where Homer just literally stares at the camera and talks to us. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you liked this episode, Matt. So when we come back, do <laughs> when we come back, Homer is trying to write his own reviews. Uh, Lisa has has disappeared, and there you go. So at the end of Act Two, Matt, it feels like okay, Lisa has left him. There's the conflict, right? Sure. That's where I okay. That I'm just saying that is where I was at the end of Act Two. Okay, I put aside my. I I haven't seen this episode in a long time. First of all, I knew that there was food assassins in it, but I'm like, logically, I'm following this episode. I I see all these things introduced and there's jokes and whatever. But the the they make a point to point out that Lisa wrote something with someone else's name on it. Homer's getting more negative and she doesn't like it and she leaves. And I think. Okay, that seems like a natural third act is going to be resolving the conflict between Homer and Lisa. And I guess that's what they do in the most weird, in the weirdest and zaniest and wackiest way they could possibly think of. So that's true. I I almost feel like the conflict is not between Homer and Lisa. Like Lisa leaving is a, a side effect of the actual conflict, which is Homer's not knowing how he wants to be a critic, essentially. Or at least not being not having enough of a spine or being you know strong enough to be a critic the way he wants to be. You got some podcasts. So Homer tries to write his own review with the help of the pets. I don't need Lisa to write a good review. The food at the Gilded Truffle really uh, what's a good word? Sucks. That's great. And the bread was really Come on, help me out here. Ruff. Ruff. I don't know. You've been pitching that all night. Chewy? Chewy! That's inspired! Homer, what goes with this review? You say the salad tastes like bark? And the potatoes were very... This reads like it was written by a dog. Are you crazy? A dog can't type. Unfortunately. Listen, you gotta shape up. Next week is the Taste of Springfield Festival. And you'll be reviewing every restaurant in town. Remember? People have certain expectations about the LifeWave section. Really? Like what? Oh, I don't know. Astrology, Broomhilda, vacation horror stories, articles about chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, chick crap. I don't know what any of those jokes are, Matt. I'm too young, I think. 
Yeah, I, I think that's more of an old person newspaper kind of joke. I don't know. I I I what's what's Broomhilda? I I don't know to be honest with you. I just thought, ha, huh, funny. And chronic yep. fatigue syndrome? What? I'm so that's something that happens to old people, right? I don't know. He calls it chick crap. I don't again and without you can't you cannot make those jokes about Mary Tyler Moore there Simpsons writers. I just want to make that clear. You can't write Lou Grant without Mary Okay, I mean Lou Grant has it. Yeah. It's again, I could talk about Mary Tyler Moore a lot. So Homer now we have another thing that's introduced into this. So it is the Springfield Eating Festival, food festival. Um and Homer is, there's a lot of pressure because Homer can't he can't rely on Lisa to write his pieces anymore. Now he has to write them himself with the help of Sansa Helper who sounds like Poochie all of a sudden. Um we cut away suddenly to the restaurant tours that we have seen throughout the episode. And uh, they're talking about what to do with Homer. Homer, he's out of control. He gave me a bad review. So my friend put a horse ahead on his bed. He ate the head and gave it a bad review. True story. Well, I've had it with Homer. His bad reviews are sinking our businesses. Then why did you put yours in the window? It covered up the D from the health inspector. Well, I say we ban Homer from our restaurants. No, that would be impolite. I say we kill him. Now, hold on a minute. Are we restaurateurs or are we murderers? Does that answer your question? We'll kill him at the Taste of Springfield Festival. We'll give Homer all he can eat till he can eat no more. Then he'll get his just dessert. This will be of our Simpsons' last lanyard. Come on, you're going to kill him with the pastry? I've seen this man eat a bowl of change. This eclair is over one million calories, 25 pounds of butter per square inch, covered with chocolate so dark, light cannot escape its surface. No, 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 this is just a picture. But Omar Simpson will find the real thing, both delicious and deadly. Ah, yes. Death by chocolate. Ah, ah, ah. Oh. And poison. I'll stick in some poison. That's a good joke. I'll, I'll admit to that. Yes. That's, I'll stick in some poison. Um, so, roughly 17 minutes into an episode, the plot arrives? The conflict? Well, you know, they're, they're contrived way to end the plot, essentially. Contrived. I don't know if I would call it the entire plot. Contrived, Matt. You say, you use that word. Yeah. All right. I thought you liked this episode. I said I liked this episode. I didn't say it was a great episode. I I said I don't even know I'm sure it's a good episode. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying contrived is not a word to describe things I enjoy a lot, usually. Um I it just comes out of nowhere. We have we barely see these restaurant tours at all throughout I mean, they make appearances in the background. One time the the chef does try and chop off Homer's ear at one point but they're not the focal point of the episode homer is homer is the focal point of this episode to its own detriment but the restaurateurs are, are an afterthought the entire time we get we get way more time with the editor we get way more time with those other critics and then here third act restaurateurs are here and they're going to kill homer why uh, because Homer is bad for their business, and that obviously turns small business owners into killers. I, I'm I'm sensing 
I'm sensing that you recognize the absurdity of it, Matt. I just want to make sure that I just just making that very clear. This is the most irrational, illogical direction for this episode to go. And this ultimately is the thing that frustrates me the most. There's a lot of things I've said that does that I don't like that I can point right. to that are just me, you know, my tastes. I don't like I don't like a lot of the the style of humor in this episode a lot. I don't like the way it ta- treats newspapers. I don't like the way it treats c- critics. But ultimately, it's not that there aren't other directions because I feel like it, the episode itself recognizes those directions. It recognizes directions that could take it where it would it could make it into about Homer and Lisa. It could make it about Homer and his job. It could make it about Homer and the other critics. It can make Homer – it could even be about Homer and the restaurateurs having uh, – also being in conflict. But instead, it goes to the furthest extreme – like making the restaurateurs mur- murderers. Like why? Why is that the decision? It's ridiculous and I don't – I just don't understand it. I mean I don't understand it either. The best I can say is they had an idea for an episode. Homer becomes a food critic and just started throwing jokes at it and when they fill it up, 21 minutes they decided all right that's it how do we wrap this up all right bunch of uh, you know the people he criticized try to kill him. done i and also i think it feels like it is a considering our the current climate and the way we talk about writers journalists artists who often get attacked for the things they make or write or do it's not funny to me like doubly so like people are like literally critics who are just saying that something's good or bad what they think about it here i'm talking about the breakdown on how this art works and people are like trying to literally hurt them kill them make death threats and like i don't it's not very funny anymore i don't find it hilarious you know i don't know yeah, you're right. Uh, when you think about it in that direction, it makes it extra word, extra bad. But as of like two years ago, this was still a pretty funny episode. <laughs> now it's just kind of depressing. I don't, Thanks it, a lot, Robbie. I'm I'm very sorry, but that's I. I'm we're watching this in 2018. Okay, I can't help but when I'm watching the thing. Yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. reason I don't like Garcia's family. Um, so we get to the food festival, and March is worried. Her like her her mom sense. Her wife's sense is going off. She has like the Peter Parker Spidey sense thing going on where something bad's going to happen. She doesn't know what, but Homer and Homer, I believe, immediately steps into a puddle, gets hit in the face with a Frisbee and then get bitten by a bat, which at least Homer acknowledges is new. <laughs> yeah, we see this French cook assassin man. Is there a culinary school somewhere that it, like has a class in? death pastries i'm sure i mean really if you just amp up the amount of butter and uh, poison and something that'll probably kill somebody i mean you don't need again poison is not complicated (laughs) it doesn't have to be you could put okay so we're watching homer run around the festival he's insulting everyone's food still eating it uh and then we get uh i i needed to pull this joke because it's one i actually appreciate it's about homer and his choice in clothes Lard ho! Guard, tis a good sign. Homer's unfastened the top button on his pants. Uh, no, he's been walking around like that since Thanksgiving. 
I'm surprised he just doesn't give it up and go for sweatpants. He says the crotch wears out too fast. Yar! That's gonna replace the whale in my nightmares. Well said, Sea Captain. So, Bart, over. we hear the restaurateurs, they're plotting, they're talking about how they're gonna kill Homer again. Bart overhears them very conveniently, goes and tells Marge and Lisa... And we we do get the joke that only Homer could take a job at a small town paper and wind up the target of international assassins. Because that's something that you can do. Yep. Homer's belly button goes from any to Audi. I did not pull this because I think it's gross. Well, it is gross. I mean, yeah. It's right up there with the all the grease, grease, grease stuff. Oof, yeah. I don't. Ugh, the I, very idea it just kind of makes me very unsettled. So there's the death declare. With a million, has a million calories in it. <laughs> I'm not even going to address it. The fact that there's a million, the thing the size of like a meatball sub has a th- million calories in it. Sure. Sure it does. You just, it uh-huh. has the density of a neutron star. Right, Matt? That's, that's how they get around it. Indeed. This compress. That's, that's what it is. It, you put it inside of you and all of a sudden your body is just sucked in like a black hole. It, it, they compress it. They compress, they compress the calories. It's like a, it's like a zip file. Uh huh. You just, you copy the same. So Homer, and this is all, this final action, this final sequence, it's not really, it does not fall into the typical season 10 slash 11 ending action sequence because it's not, it it's not the same thing. And I, I that I do appreciate uh, Homer wants to eat this eclair. He sees it. He has to, of course, because it's irresistible. And Lisa, Bart, Marge are all, they've split up. They're searching the food festival, trying to find him, trying to stop him from eating this eclair. Lisa finally spots him as he is about to eat it. And the only way she can think to stop him is to say that it is low fat. Homer hearing that throws it like a grenade and it explodes and I think it destroys Hans Molman's stall. Poor poor Mole Man. Poor Mole Man. He just gets screwed no matter what. He does. Uh the cops trying to arrest the assassin. Uh he gets away while they're arguing about waffles and frittatas. Uh and then you know the the Springfield police can't catch anybody. <laughs> I again I'm not the waffles frittatas is actually like good fun character writing that I really do like. Yeah. Frankly. Um, they're both delicious is the real answer. I mean, waffles are better, man. Oh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. From Always us, so- frittatas are, aren't bad, but waffles, come on. That's surface area, man. Mm-hmm. You got Man, that's the secret. So much surface Honestly, area. they're in really two different categories. You really, really got to have one of each. Hey, I can debate t- one thing versus another as much as I want. Man. Come on. I didn't, I didn't devise this. The, the show did. Fair enough. It's not my fault. So, uh, we get to the ending, and Homer gets no comeuppance. Oh, Lisa, you saved me! And after all the bad things I said about you. What bad things? Why? Oh, Lisa, the important thing is I didn't get my comeuppance, and I never will. Uh, Dad? I know, honey. The important thing is... Run! The important thing is run. <laughs> yep, no comeuppance whatsoever. There's ele- what are those elephants, Matt? What's going on there? Uh, from the zoo in the beginning part of the episode. Okay, that's good. That's as good as anything. So sure. <laughs> uh, 
I don't like this episode. I gathered. I don't. I'm not trying to be a downer or anything. I just. It's messy. It's it's a mess. It is messy. You're you're, you're not wrong. I I just like I said as I watched through this. I actually watched this one twice, once with my wife because she didn't remember it. And when I just watched it on its own, I liked it a lot more than when I had to sit and take notes on it and capture clips and all that fun stuff. Just because you're right. The more you think about that episode, the less sense it makes and the more the little things start to eke at you. But if you just watch it in one big uh, segment, it's it's not as bad. You can laugh at the funny things and just ignore the stupid things. You're right. You could do that. But that's not what we do. No, that is not what we do. No. Um, I'm, I'm going to point out when I can discount style of humor, I can discount, you know, physical comedy and dumb, you know, dumb jokes that are, you know, slapstick, whatever, which is definitely what these, you know, seasons 10 and 11 often opt towards. And I think that's a matter of taste. I will not ignore simple plot, simple choices about character and simple choices of direction of episodes like maybe that is an argument about what the simpsons is but to me the simpsons always tells a story along with making jokes and it always good ones anyway yeah exactly and it always will that's always what i'm going to default to this is not family guy if I'm watching Family Guy, I think that Family Guy established its identity as a show that is just throwing a thousand jokes at you a minute, does not care about its own plot. It will discount, like it will ignore, avoid. Sometimes, like Family Guy has plots that make sense. Most of the time, they don't because they don't care about it. They just want to make as many jokes as they possibly can. And if I'm watching Family Guy and the plot doesn't make sense, I'm not going to care because I don't think the show cares and hasn't established its identity as that. I think The Simpsons. The Good Simpsons, The Golden Years, established this identity as a show that is able to tell character-based stories and also be absurdly funny and smart and like a thousand other adjectives, sardonic and irreverent and clever and so many other things. The story has to be there. And good stories don't do the things that this episode does. It does not introduce three or four different things and then discount them immediately, forget about them, and introduce a new thing that wraps up the story about international food assassins. Like, hey, if you want to make a story about Homer like fighting international food assassins, I'm all on board. But make the episode about it, you know? Like, introduce it earlier than 17 minutes into the episode, where suddenly the restaurateurs, like Akira and the sea captain, people we have known as characters in this town for literally a decade now... They're not murderers. Are you sure? Homer went to Akira to help with with uh, Mr. Sparkle. Why suddenly does he want to murder Homer? Because of a bad well, review? Well, costing him business. I, I think if the show was really funny, I might be able to forgive it. It just, don't, it just did not hit with me. Yeah, and I, I get that. And uh, like I said, all of your criticisms are completely valid. Uh, I mean, you know, you're not wrong about any of that stuff. I just feel like... If you're willing to put your brain aside for a little bit and just laugh at the jokes, if you really enjoy food jokes the way I do, then this will work out for you. Otherwise, yeah, it's it's problematic at best. <laughs> I wouldn't call it problematic. I think that word has different connotation. Maybe some of the stuff Lou Grant says at times. Uh, oh, wait, the editor, excuse me. 
<laughs> he's not he's not Lee Grant. Um, that's it for this episode. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Hey, Matt, we do have a submission for my favorite episode. Whoa. I know. It's a... Before we get to this, I will also say, I don't think this episode is broken. At least not in the same way that... I don't think it goes into the, the, the trash heap at the bottom of our best episode ever list. So I don't... Uh, no, no. I don't think... It, I, I wouldn't call it broken in that way. So I don't... Th- I It's not broken. We don't need to fix it. I personally don't enjoy it. That doesn't mean the episode's broken. So, my favorite episode from Daniel... Hi, guys. Guess who's coming to criticize dinner? Episode 3 from Season 11 is my favorite episode. I'm a bit scared to call an episode from Season 11 my favorite, considering how many fans hate it. It's okay, Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm mean. And sure, I'm not arguing that this is the, quote, best episode ever. I personally think the episodes from the Golden Years absolutely are the best comedy ever written. I have fond memories of those seasons from my childhood growing up. However, if anyone anyone would ask me when was the most you ever laughed during a Simpsons episode, I always think of this episode. First of all, it's a very funny idea for a Homer and Lisa episode. The jokes in it work great. Quotes like, thank God it landed in that smoking crater. And Homer's declaration that we don't need no stinking E are just so stupidly funny. I can't help but laugh out loud every time I watch this episode. Thank you for your response, Daniel. If you have a favorite episode, send in at SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. Explain why a certain episode is your favorite. And I'll read it on air. Also, if I've missed, we've missed you. If you weren't listening when we did your favorite episode, or I, you sent it to me, and I am an idiot, and I missed it, and you want to send it again, I'll read it for a holiday episode. So send those in. You got about four months. I think but, you guys can do it. I, I have faith in you. Yeah, you know, no big deal. No pressure. Um, That's it. Thank you, Daniel, again. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments to the news group is where I come through the old alt.tv.simpsons news group, see what people are talking about a week or two after an episode debut, what they thought of the episode. Um, It's all over the place, Matt. I believe that. <laughs> there was an A plus and there was a D minus. No, no worse episodes ever. No Fs. But there's a is, you know, it's kind of it always averages out to mediocre to average. And that's kind of where it was. But some people really liked it. Some people absolutely did not. Um, they everyone is definitely recognizing the the zaniness of seasons of season ten and now eleven. Yeah, very evident. Also, they talk about critics, and they are also talking about the fact that the they I think pe- they were arguing. I know, crazy people on the internet arguing, but yeah, they, they never do that. Never. They were arguing about the news group and being it's rep, like how representative of the, the feelings they are to critics and how is the show taking a shot at critics and stuff. But I think people in the news group are pointing out that most popular critics at the time were relatively like they liked the show. They weren't they weren't hitting it very hard. So, yeah, I don't know. It can't be like they they were reasoning. It can't be a targeted attack at critics, really, because. The critics weren't that they weren't rough on the show. They still like the show. Um, there is a note about newspaper consolidation. <laughs> well, the news groups, they've got a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, the tour guy mentioned that the Springfield shopper bought out six other publications to become the town's number one newspaper, presumably by default. In this respect, the shopper reflects a trend towards newspaper consolidation seen in the rest of the country. 
around the turn of the century, it wasn't unusual to uh, see so it wasn't unusual for a major city like New York to have five or six newspapers. Slowly, the news landscape began to change. Television, radio, USA Today, magazines, and now the internet competed with the traditional newspapers to provide people with their daily headlines, a lot of numbers, and celebrity scandals. Readership dwindled, and papers either merged with other papers or folded altogether. Today, only the largest metropolises have more than one mainstream newspaper, leaving aside underground and niche publications. Wouldn't know anything about print journalism dying, huh, Matt? No, definitely not. I mean, that, that totally turned right around. Oh, wait, no, it's worse than ever. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> More sad news. Just the, just all bad news. Uh, I, I, not much else. I mean, I could go into more depth about critics, but I don't think that's necessary. Right, Matt? No, I, I think we talked about that enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It is time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is a Simpsons quote that only you use? And my God, so many responses. Really appreciate everyone answering. Very good. I couldn't, I tried to, I tried to include a lot. Good representation. Sorry if I couldn't include you. Um, because there were so many, I mean, I don't, this might be the most we've ever gotten, frankly. Um, so bear with me first from Daniel, I'll be deep in the cold, cold ground before I recognize Missouri. <laughs> uh, Zach, I lead walking tours in my city. And one of the stories from the 1890s deals with a 15 year old who loved to play with dynamite, where of course I use the phrase he would celebrate where he lived by blowing up a, up a small part of it to describe him. Uh, from Abby, just today I walked a non-Simpsons fan right into one of my favorite quotes that I like to use whenever the subject of North Dakota is brought up. The North Dakota capital is named after what German leader? I kid you not, I said this to a guy at work today, and he replied, Hitler. Everyone knows about Hitler, North Dakota. Of course. Uh, Dana, I always call superintendents Super Nintendos. It was inconvenient when I was a teacher. I'm also a fan of when a woman talks, she just wants to be heard. And of course, the immortal, I can't take his money. I can't print my own money. I have to work for money. Why don't I just lay down and die? Uh, Joshua, whenever my wife is talking to me about friends or family I'm unfamiliar with, I echo Jacqueline Bouvier's response comparing Abe to Judge freaking Reinhold. I don't know who that is. It's very good. Uh, Brandon, probably not just me, but I am familiar with the works of Pablo Neruda from Bart Sells' eh. Soul. It comes up a lot for me somehow. Uh, Steven, me and my wife say, shut up, you little freaks. And, oh, my freaking ears uh, from the Moe's Family Feedback episode. Not to our kids, of course, but just in general. Of course, you wouldn't say that to your own children. No, no, no never. Absolutely not. Never. Uh, from Kyle, anytime there's an awkward moment, I always say, he came to life. Good for him. Uh, from when Lard Lad was terrorizing the town. I have no idea why. Uh, from Chris, I'm not not, insert phrase, when he says, I'm not not licking frogs, from Homer the Missionary. Yeah. Me and my wife say this a lot. I've surprisingly never noticed anyone else say it. Uh, from Jeff, it wasn't long before this yearly custom became an annual tradition. I use yeah. that so much in my everyday life. Uh, Anthony, coming home from grocery shopping, we got beets! From, from that Dan is remarkably specific. Good job on that one. Uh, we got beats from Danielle. Well, there's your answer, fish bulb. Very good, uh, Jeffrey. Every time I park in a large lot, I tell my companions to remember that we're parked in the itchy lot. 
can richer than astronauts use whenever it is abundantly clear that I am not, in fact, richer than astronauts. Uh, from Wayne, when it's time to get up and go anywhere, up and at them. Yes, I, I do. I, I have. I have. I do that to my wife, and that really frustrates her because <laughs> I just repeat it, and she's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong with you?" Uh, Will, I always use the word "dealy" when I can't remember the name of something. Um, the the metal dealy you use to dig food with. <laughs> uh, from John at Doctor Doctor Papa Swing. All the time at work, when I don't get what someone asks me. You shot who in the what now? <laughs> uh, Casey at KC Masterpiece. Mine include, oh, I get jokes. Uh, my my fiance says, we get it. You're gay. Uh, this applies, of course, to anybody <laughs> showcasing their specific image in a flamboyant way. We also say leader bean very often. <laughs> Brian at Jandor 2015. I don't want Millhouse. <laughs> Poor Millhouse. Uh, Carolyn, Caroline at Karolinski. Hacky sack uh, from Grandpa. I always quote Abe saying hacky sack in the episode where Homer thinks he's going to die from eating a dangerous blowfish. Hacky sack. Uh, Daniel at Vegeduck. When thinking, I will say to myself, think Seymour, think. My name is not Seymour. From Nav at RoopDog21. When we were kids, my sister and I would always say to each other, you're the fattest one in the car. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. Uh, Andrew at your master 01. Son, if you want something in this life, you have to work for it. Now shut up. They're about to announce the lottery numbers. Uh, from coming this summer at coming this pod. After my first sip of beer of the night, I shout, it begins. Very good. Elliot at Tweeting Man 17. I use, can you repeat the part where you said all the about the things? Uh, when people give me a million tasks to work, I always use the money can be exchanged for goods and services quite a bit. Uh, Bizarre Felger at Sports Club. Anytime someone mentions a New Mexico, I say, there's a New Mexico? Common uh, Rider Filzy at, this is a, right, at Rider Filzy. Thanks a lot, Marge. That was our only burlesque house. I don't even modify it to fit the situation. If I want to raise a friend or for ruining something, I love saying it. I usually knew to explain, I usually need to explain it, but I can't help myself. Valerie at Rogue Bonsai. When I don't know what to say, I find myself saying, it's a candy dish, Ned. $90. It's one of my default uh, things to say. Uh, flow, it flows. Flow, Elizabeth, eighteen. We can hear our neighbor's dog barking some mornings, and the first words my partner and I usually say to each other as we wake up are quietly. So the dog is barking. <laughs> <laughs> that makes just makes me laugh for no reason. Uh, Michael at Mikey PB. I work with game developers, and whenever someone solves a tricky angles-based problem, I congratulate them on finding a practical use for geometry. The younger <laughs> devs, the younger devs look at me in bewilderment. Uh, from Kane. For whatever reason, I seem to have adopted uh, Bart's smarmy replies from his phone call with Bruno Drundridge and Bart vs. Australia. If I'm, if I'm unloading a bunch of stuff from the car, I always urge my girlfriend to hold, please, if my hands are full. And I'm constantly finding urge work to blur out Bart Simpson's office one moment, please, on a phone call. It's an issue, a serious, serious issue. Finally, from Matt. Uh, one line of the last on to, which no one else seems to, is Bart's line to the Wizard of Evergreen Terrace when he seems to have gotten Homer's permission to swear. Yeah, hell damn fart. It's a strange line to blurt out in real life, but the idea that he's cursing just for the sake of cursing, and those are the three worst words that he knows, is just hilarious to me. That was just—I would assume a ten-year-old would actually know more, but yeah, mm, maybe, maybe it's just maybe Bart is actually behaving for his father in that in that very particular case. True, maybe. Matt, what's your answer? I've got quite a few uh, that I really like. Uh, one that I don't say a whole lot, but I think to myself uh, is from Bart. Friend, Bart's friend falls in love. It's recess everywhere, but in his heart. 
but the one I actually end up saying out loud uh, is uh, from, oh man, uh, the one where Skinner is chasing Bart, the Freddie Quimby episode. We just talked about this last week. Uh, but it's a, the no, boy. It's the knows, children who are wrong. The boy who knows too much, Matt. Is the, the boy who knows too much, yes. It's the children who are wrong? Yes. Yes. Um, I I talked about one last week, our last episode, about the question. I do that. Also, unsurprisingly, Homer's enemy, Bart saying, got you there, dad. Yeah. After, after, uh, after, uh. Frank Grimes is, uh. Yeah, yeah, his, his monologue at Homer about all the, all the terrible things that Homer is. I, I just kind of say that whenever someone is proven wrong, got you there, dad. And it's not, shouldn't do that. Because people don't know what <laughs> people don't know what I'm talking about. Um, tons and there, I that was only the tip of the iceberg. There's so many great answers. Um, next week's question: What is the most disgusting Simpsons food? We've eaten some of it. Oh God, yes we have. But there's tons. I assume moon waffles we near the top, but uh, you know surprises guys. Moon waffles aren't so bad, honestly. I eat moon waffles again. I definitely would not. I I would. I think I'd be a little bit I think I'd be more careful about the application. Make it easier yeah. to eat, but I don't think I would eat I would eat that again. You just gotta I think we I, I learn you know, every time you cook something you learn, Matt. That's true. You learn about it. So next time we'd make I think I'd make it a little bit differently. That's next to his question. I'll post this on all the social media. Facebook.com slash the Simpson Show Pod, Twitter at Simpson Show Pod. You can email us at SimpsonShowPod at gmail.com. Next up, Matt. Minute start. For the No Google Chevy Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-T. The No Google Chevy Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard, and try and stump the other. I am I'm in the lead. Six to two after two episodes. Also, I was incorrect about the food item. It is not chocolate candy with cheese. It is chocolate candy with butter. Melted butter. Alrighty then. Which is worse. Yes, much worse. Be clear about that. Matt, give me an easy question. All right, sir. Your easy question. Who did Bart compete against in Dead Putting Society? That's, I don't know, that feels a little, feels a little tricky, Matt. I don't know about that's an easy question. Feels like it's a tricky easy question. Pretty easy question. to me. Yeah. It How well do you know the Flanders kids? I think I am very clear about the fact I know very little and can't keep them straight. I believe that is every time the Flanders kids come up, I go, is that Rod or is that Todd? Um, Todd. So you're saying I should have saved this for a medium question I, or a hard I, question. I'm, I have a 50-50 shot because I'm telling you, I don't know for sure. I'm guessing Todd. You are correct. It is Todd. Okay. Thank God. Because <laughs> you could literally, Matt, you could ask me any question about who, if Rod or Todd did it. And I have, it's always going to be a 50-50 shot because I never know. <laughs> you Ever. have no idea which one is which. No, no, I don't. Okay, your easy question. These are all from Homer the Vigilante. Malloy steals what from the Springfield Museum? Uh, the world's largest cubic zirconia. You're correct. All right, sir. Your medium question. What is the theme song for Powell Motors? Oh, I remember it's a pow, 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 powerful car. I don't remember anything else, but I remember it's a pow, 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 powerful car. It's the beginning of the season, so I guess I can be uh, fairly lenient with you. It's Powell makes a pow, pow, powerful car. <laughs> okay. 
So is that what's that, with the whole thing? What is that worth? Uh, I mean, that, that's worth two points, I would assume. Okay, I just I need you here to say the words, Matt, because I don't want to assume. All right, all right. Your medium question: What is the address Malloy finally gives as the location of the treasure? Oh boy, let me think. First, he says it's under a giant T. Yeah, and like we need uh, more information. And he's like, and then he gives the address, and they're like, okay, mm, you go up highway, uh, make a left, my, you yeah. make a left. Mm-hmm. That's a left. Oh, he gives them. I have no idea. Nothing is coming to mind whatsoever. It is forty-seven twenty-three Maple Valley Road. Maple Valley. Oh, someone's just thinking Maple Systems, but I'm like, no, that's that's <laughs> the you only move twice. I, it is a very you only move twice type address. Yeah. What's our hard question, Matt? All right, so your hard question. What record does Krusty play when having dinner at the Simpsons in Like Father, Like Clown? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I have no idea. No clue. Well, thank you for not wasting our time. It is the concert for Bangladesh. Oh, my. I should. I didn't, I didn't know that. Now you say it, I remember, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, your hard question, Matt. The Springfield Cat Burglar was established when? Established when? Mm-hmm. Oh, on his calling card. That's right. Okay, I'm going to say 1912. <laughs> uh, sorry, Matt. <laughs> that is incorrect. Oh, okay. It's not close. Uh, 1957 oh. is the answer. 57? Mostly when he started rather than when he was born. I was trying to go, when would Malloy have been born? I mean... It was in the nineties. I how Malloy's like in his sixties, isn't he? Yeah, so that would have made him in his forties if, if he was born in nineteen fifty seven. No, but it wouldn't be nineteen twelve though. That make him like in his eighties. Well, yeah, but I mean, one, he could have been in his eighties. You know, it's it's the, the I Simpsons, guess. and I mean, Grandpa fought in World War Two, so it means he would have been at least eighteen. He probably looks closer to twenty something. So they, twenty something. Did they retcon it that Abe fought in World War One? <laughs> as well like he was a I, they've like, changed this so many times i don't yeah maybe that it might not be canon okay Matt. uh i have a bonus i have a, i have an, a really it, this is really clever and i really want to give john john winchester credit for this because this is a really clever thing um and it's really fun it's a series of questions so i'm gonna give you a series of questions the answers are all numbers okay okay I want you to get a calculator out or an app, get a cal- either your phone or whatever. Get a calculator out. I don't know if I own an actual calculator anymore. Well, you have a computer in front of you. I'm fairly okay. certain it has a calculator on it. So you're going to take all these numbers. You're going to do some math to them after you get them. And we're going to oh, see God. if we're going to see if your number matches up at the end. OK, fine. And you guys at home can play along. So get your calculators out. Um, your first question, Matt, you ready? You have a calculator out? You ready? You ready to go? Matt? Yeah, I said yes. I did not hear a yes. I need a yes. I'm like a flight attendant. Your first question. How many employees at the at the power plant match the description incompetent, lazy, clumsy, dim-witted, and monstrously ugly? Don't, don't. Oh. So you have the number, right? Don't say no, it. Hold on. Don't say, the, don't say these answers out loud. Just have them get an answer and tell me when you're ready. Okay. Oh, so you have that number in. Your next question. Where in the charts... Was we're sending our love down the well when I do believe we're naked was at number one. I want you to subtract that number from your first number. Okay. Uh, all right. Now add 
the number of months Lisa, her children, and her children's children are banned from the Springfield Historical Society. Okay. Now, add the number of trunks Martin wears while on the poolmobile. Okay. Now, subtract the number Homer is thinking of that's between 1 and 50 in Itchy and Scratchy the movie. Okay. Now, add how many dollars is it, it, the Little Miss Springfield application costs. Oh, give me just a second on this one. Okay. You said add that, right? Correct. Now, subtract yeah. the number of Krusty Burgers Homer orders on the oil rig. Okay. Now, add the number of members of the Flying Hellfish. Okay. And finally, subtract the number of dollars Krusty owed the Mafia. All right. And so to add all this up? That What's your number? What number do you got? All right. Hold on. Let me, let me add them up. What do you mean it's add them up? Oh, my God. You did that. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What are you doing? Format it as a date. I gotta fix this. What? Oh my, Matt, you just use a calculator. Why are you using Excel? 419, I think, is what it came to. You're incorrect. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so here, here's the math. I'll lay it all out for you. Uh, the number of power plant employees that are incompetent, lazy, clumsy, dim-witted, monster, ugly. 714. Got that one. Minus the the the... the the number on the charts funky where, see, where we're sending our love down the well, well was when I do believe her naked was at number one. It's number 97. So it's in 714. 97. Oh, minus oh. 97. Adding the number of months Lisa is banned from the Springfield Historical Society. Three. Adding the number of trunks Martin wears on the Poolmobile. 17. Subtracting the Homer number the, the number Homer is thinking of between 1 and 50 from Itchy and Scratch in the movie. 37. Adding. Wow. The cost of a little Miss Springfield application, 250 Subtracting the number of burgers that, Krusty, that Homer orders uh, at the, at, on the oil rig, that is 700 Adding the members of Flying Hellfish, there's 10 Subtracting the number of dollars that Krusty owed the Mafia, 48 equals 112 714 minus 97 plus 3 plus 17 minus 37 plus 250 minus 700 plus 10 minus 48, 112. Okay, hold on. Uh, give me just a second. I got to figure out how to use stupid... Uh, Google you, Sheets to change it from. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, 110. Sorry, the correct number. Was, the number I got the first one was 110, not 419. Apparently, just as you guys know, April 19th is the 110th day of the year. You could just use a calculator, Matt. You did not have to use it. But I wanted to keep track of my answers. I actually got all but four of those right, so I got more than half of them exactly on, which is surprising. Okay. But thank you for thank you, John, for that. That's a that's a fun thing. That that's that's really clever. I like it, even if it might. Who knows if that made good radio? But whatever, I liked it. Hopefully, everyone else gave their answers and followed us along. They can always pause. We don't have that. We don't have the the same luxury as they do. That's um, true. Along with your answers to this week's questions, post the number you got. Sure, you can do that. Send in your your number, uh, or if you got it right, if you got it right. Congrats what, to you. Whatever was this? What, what, what did you say it was? One twelve. Damn, I was too off. I mean, if you got there with only half the answers right, you just I mean you just. But cr- the others were really close. Like okay, there. Let me see. It was uh, I was fifty off on the. I, I said two hundred for the blimp ticket or for the Little Miss Springfield. I was forty off for the ranking in the charts. Ten off for how much Krusty uh, owed the mafia, and two off for the numbers of flying hellfish. But thankfully, some were minus and some were plus. Exactly. It worked out in the end. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to our final segment, the segment we end every single episode with. It is time for best episode ever. 
Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically, so we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever, and how good they are. This is pretty low. I would put this pretty low. Man. It is pretty low. Like I said, I still enjoy it, but it's still just in general not a very good episode. Like I'm looking probably down in like the one seventies, one eighties. Oh, I, mm, I was way lower than that. I mean, it only goes to two hundred and fifteen. How low were you thinking? You said it's not in the bottom, the bottom five. The it ones is not in the bottom five. I would put it below Sunday, Cruddy Sunday. Sunday, really below Sunday, Cruddy Sunday. Yep. Absolutely. No, that, that episode was an insult to everyone's intelligence. There's no way it's going below that. It had egg magic. I enjoyed egg magic thoroughly, Matt. <laughs> that is literally, didn't we calculate it out to be three minutes of the episode was egg magic? That's three minutes better, more than I enjoyed this episode. No, no, no. I, I have to disagree. I, I, okay, it probably belongs down there. Uh, I would put it at number 200, uh, right behind Viva Ned Flanders. There's no way I'm going less than Sunday, Friday, Sunday. This episode's not better than the Simpson Tide. Okay, yeah, you're fine. Fine, 201 then. Simpson Tide had at least a nugget of emotional character connection. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Homer, Homer and Bart, it didn't have a lot. It could have done a way better, but yeah, it had something. It also, also, this episode is just it. Like it, this episode weaponizes Homer as a jerk. Like literally, that's yeah, but what in it this does. episode, Homer is a jerk for a purpose. Like it's it's revealing a character flaw of his, so I can forgive it. He's not he's not a jerk for no reason. If the episode did anything with it, Matt, I would agree with you. I think again, you're giving them too much credit. They don't. I don't like. I don't think they were thinking like, oh yeah, we're we're, we're showing Homer's deep character flaws with this. I like you said multiple times. They had jokes, and that's what I'm fine with putting it at 201. This is the this we're low, this low. I don't really, I'm yeah. not, I'm not gonna argue. I'm just saying that giving this, I, I, you know, where did I, I think I was talking about, I was talking about Rashomon, I believe, and I said about giving creators credit and letting, like, giving them leeway. Because you have faith in them and trust in them. Mm-hmm. I don't have that for The Simpsons at this point. No, no. That, that's pre- they pretty much, uh, you know, extinguished all of their goodwill at that point. Yeah, season 10. Uh, like, this every, almost all of it was like, oh, they, there's, I'm not giving them leeway. You know, they have to show their work. <laughs> I don't believe them. I'm like, how did you get that answer? I think you just copied it. So that's 201 on our list is Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner, Rape List, Simpson Tide, right above, Dance and Homer. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last on our list is When You Dish Upon a Star. Holding strong. Yeah, yeah. We might see some bad stuff coming up, but... Uh, what are you talking yeah. about? No. Mm-hmm. Maybe. No, actually, yes. Very yes. Just not yet. I, I feel like actually... I don't know. Our next episode is Trias Har. So... I'm I like Trails of Horror. Trails of Horror is pretty reliable and it who care you can be as zany as you want in Trails of Horror because nothing means anything. There's, this is also the appearance of Lucy Lawless as herself. Who can fly, of course. She's not Xena, she's Lucy Lawless. Exactly. Right. We'll talk about that next week. Um that'll do it. For us before we go, uh you can find all this stuff on our website, simpsonshow.com. 
links to all of our social media and to our Patreon. If you want to help us out, we really appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Please check out my other podcast, Hands the Boys Comics Hour. It's about comic books. Most recent episode is talking about Spider-Man and how I've never forgiven Marvel Comics for erasing Peter Parker and Mary Jane's wedding. Which is accurate. You should not ever forgive them for that. And now they're just toying with us. But they're having them back together, but now there's clones, and I don't know what to believe. Feels like they're trying to, they're playing with my emotions, man. It's weird. It's like they don't respect you as a reader. When you say it like that, it really does burn. Yeah. Uh, you can also, in my other podcast, Serial Fanaticists, uh, it's about all kinds of nerdy things. The most recent episode is me and Matt talking about the last Harry Potter book. Not counting the million other spinoffs that are, are out in various weird ways. Still waiting for my Harry Potter procedural detective novels. Still waiting for anything good in the Harry Potter universe. I mean, J.K. Rowling. I mean, we almost had it in the last movie, and then Johnny Depp showed up. I think. I mean, J.K. Rowling, you know, she has that big giant pile of money she has to organize. Yeah. Probably really busy doing that. Um, Matt does not participate in social media unless it's a certain level of Patreon backer. You will not find him. Uh, that is accurate. Uh, however, I have decided that I'm going to save the tree next to my house. Uh, I don't know that anyone's actually going to try and cut it down, but I figured, eh, what the heck? I'll make sure to bring my metal pail just in case there's lightning. I'm what? Huh? What? What's going on? Which tree? What's uh, the tree next to my house? You know, just in case someone tries to. Uh, what? How are they? Con- how, it, no, how are they contacting you? What's going uh, on with the bucket? Obviously, Robbie. Come on, get it together. I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt. And keep watching The Simpsons. Shh. <laughs>